You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling good. No particular reason, just, you know, just feeling good. Is that all right? If you got a problem with it, look me up. Because I am not in the mood for this. Anyways, today is um, answering questions day and also stealing things from the Facebook group when not solicited day. That's right, you put your comments in my Facebook group, it becomes my content. Should have read the fine print. Running through the pre-show agenda, we need to have a conversation about iTunes. Uh, I want to thank you all for um, rushing out and getting me a few extra reviews. I really do appreciate that. However, I explicitly said I don't want to be over 250. You all need to work together on this, okay? Because this is getting out of hand. I don't know who's organizing the listenership, but I said I want it to be an even 250. So look, what we got to do now, we got to take it to 260, because it can't just be hanging at 252. So talk amongst yourselves. Find eight people that, uh, that have not done this yet. Appreciate the show and are, are looking for ways to help support the show. Head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star review and a little comment about why you love the show so much, and then we'll all be happy. Also, if you don't have iTunes, don't use iTunes, and generally just hate Apple, you can always wander over to Stitcher. Don't even need to log in, really. Just wander over to Stitcher, five-star review. Doesn't have nearly the pull iTunes does, but it is a thing, and that would also be very, very cool if you wouldn't mind. Otherwise, if you are beyond tired of this constant humming in the background that make you think you're going crazy because you're pretty sure you can hear something it might be a cricket but you're not sure that is my computer screaming to be put out of its misery just begging and pleading but i won't let it die because i need it and i'm not ready to go get a computer right now blaine please help me also too cheap to back up all this information which is also quite dire, because I don't want to lose lots of episodes as well as everything else that I own. But none of that's your problem. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy could help, though. Also, I don't like getting up this early to do this because I have to go to work. So if every single listener here could just jump on Patreon and give a little something-something, maybe I'll have a conversation with the wife about never going back to that place again. I mean, I don't know. Again, talk amongst yourselves. Oh, I got something interesting. Uh, over the last week-ish, two weeks, whatever, in the NFL mock draft, what is the name of the group? Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash mock drafts. What I had done is a group 2020 NFL mock draft. It was a lot of fun, and the podcast for that dropped this morning. Just check Overtime NFL Draft Edition. But the more interesting part, although please go listen and subscribe, In that group, we're doing another mock, and I want to get a lot of people involved in it, whether you just want to hang out and wait for the Packers pick or just have fun either way, I don't care. But again, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash mock drafts. All we're doing is we're dropping in, and we're picking players for teams. Pretty easy, right? If you're into that kind of stuff, I'm just saying. What else? Is there anything else? I don't know. I'll just just randomly interrupt myself later if I think of something else. Why don't we go ahead and take a break, talk about some stuff, and then when we get back... We'll, we'll start talking about 
some stuff. So my bookies finally got the uh, Packer game up. Right now the Green Bay Packers are sitting at uh, four and a half point favorites. They got the total sitting at 47 and a half, which is pretty high. Again, there are people right now that are listening that are going out and making money. I just want you to get involved in it. Don't forget, we've also got some prop bets for the game. Not sure those are up quite yet, but check some of these out. If you're just looking to get crazy with it, this is, this is what my bookie has. For the Super Bowl halftime show, will Enrique Iglesias make an appearance on stage? Will Pitbull make an appearance on stage? Will Jennifer Lopez do the Shakira hip shake? These are things you can make money on. Will Jennifer Lopez and Shakira sing in Spanish? I, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I, I kind of feel confident in that one. Don't ask why, I just do. There is also a question here. What is the first organization that will send humans to Mars? SpaceX, Blue Origin, Boeing, Space Force. Space Force! I love Space Force, man. If I ever get drafted, I hope I go to the Space Force. Russia, NASA, China, UAE. I don't know what field is, but field's a thing. Bottom line is... My bookie's crazy, man. <laughs> Anything that you want to bet on or think you know about, they're like, yeah, dude, I'll take some money on that. I'll, I'll take that action all day. Anyways, if you're interested in going to check it out, which you need to at least go check it out, remember that we teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you a great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So um, I want to start with the old Google Voice here, check some of the text messages and voicemails. I want to start off with Eric from Toledo because there is a massive backlog. In fact, going back to a, uh, it appears, September question, and it's actually good that I missed on it because maybe I even answered it, I don't know, but it aged very well. Eric says, why is everyone so certain Carson Wentz is that much better than Kirk Cousins? A little sure, a lot I'm not so sure. Be sure to talk about their injuries, probably not going to do that, but... I mean, I get why you would say that, but forget the injuries. Kirk Cousins right now is one of the best quarterbacks in football, at least. I mean, we're, we're talking a small sample size, but I, I shouldn't say best. Let's call it hottest. As much as I hate to use that term to describe him, it's probably the most accurate if we can just keep our mind right. Billy, do not make a graphic saying I called Kirk Cousins hot. Just 
all right? Because I know you're you're already done with it. What am I talking about? Guys always coming up with stuff. Crazy Facebook group people. No, but I mean, you know, I I don't know how you want to judge a guy overall. You know, if you want to look back over the course of the year, over the course of his career to judge him, it doesn't really matter. The bottom line, though, is what is he right now? And Carson Wentz is doing great. I think it's being overshadowed by the fact that the Eagles are kind of falling apart at the seams. But Carson Wentz, I mean, if I just look at it, right now the overall, not just passing grades, but overall grades for quarterbacks, Nick Foles is number one, although that doesn't count because he played really well and then got hurt, so kind of kidding. Jabriz is number two, and that doesn't even count at this point. But if we get rid of all the the nonsense right now, and this is kind of cool that I, I didn't even mention this, the number one quarterback in football right now is Russell Wilson, who is playing out of his mind, uh, clearly. Because, again, look what he's working with and how successful they've been. Number two right now is Aaron Rodgers. So he went from struggling and being outside of the top ten early on in the season to being so good that he's now the number two quarterback in football. By the way, if you organize this by um, just passing grade, he's number one. Russell Wilson overtakes him because of having a little bit better um, running ability. Also, his fumble grade is much higher, and I don't know how they calculate that. I know it's not based on fumbles because, it, you know, maybe it's the way they carry the ball or protect the ball. I don't know. Um, Dak is actually number three. He's been kind of on fire. Then Carson Wentz is four. Again, he's doing fantastic. Kirk Cousins is seven. Now, this is high for Kirk Cousins. But I also want to illuminate the fact that over the last three weeks, part of the reason he's all the way down to seven, week one he was average, week two against the Packers, again, worst game of his entire career. Week three against Oakland was really good. Uh, Week four against Chicago was mediocre, not great. So considering he had all of that and now is the seventh best quarterback in football kind of illuminates the fact that, again, over the last three weeks he's probably the best quarterback in football. Now, granted, it's his, his run started against the Giants, who are probably the worst defense in football. Then they went up against Philly, who has one of the worst secondaries in football. Then up against Detroit, who, although not terrible, really does not have a very good defense. Their secondary is not good. Their defensive line is not all that good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers kind of started his run as far as being a great quarterback against Detroit as well. So, And you could technically say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers, to be fair, although... He's faced bad teams before and hasn't broken, like, six records. So there's a little bit something more to it. But clearly, Oakland having terrible corners and whatnot plays into that. But yeah, the, the overall assessment of it, I would, I would generally agree. Saying that we shouldn't be super certain, although I personally still put Carson Wentz above Kirk Cousins, and probably fairly comfortably, because Kirk Cousins, if you had to judge it, you got to look over the course of his career. And I think over the course of his career, he's good, not great. He's clearly not, and, I, and maybe I think this is kind of the point we're getting at, or you're getting at, he's not as bad as everybody that's laying into him, including me when I was kind of just mocking the guy. I even said that kind of to start the year. When they went out and paid him a bunch of money, I said he's not worth that much money. He's just not that good, and most people thought, oh man, he's, he's really, really, he's not that good. But then when everyone started trashing him, saying he's, he's just this abysmally terrible quarterback, I was kind of pushing back on that, saying, no, 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 he's, he's upper mid-tier. Right? He's, he's kind of Stafford-esque. Maybe high-end Stafford, I guess. I don't know. Um, Eric goes on. Again, he's got quite a few. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because I know the wide receiver conversation is, and again, this was back in uh, October 11th, so again, he's ahead of, his, ahead of his time here, but I'm already getting burnt out on the wide receiver question. Um, Emmanuel Sanders went to the 49ers. He went unbelievably cheap. Everyone's saying it was a high price. It wasn't a high price. It was basically a late third-round pick is what they gave up. If you look at um, the 49ers and where they're currently picking, 
and or even the Packers for that matter, if you look at that, if you give up a late third and a late fourth, it translates to not even a mid-third. That late fourth round pick boosts it to kind of late middle third, like three quarters of the way up the third round. And then they got a fifth back, which the fifth hardly moves the needle at all. And I'm using the trade value chart to kind of just put it into quantitative terms. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a late third round pick is what they gave up for Emmanuel Sanders. I think the Patriots are ridiculous. I'm sure they'll prove me wrong. But Mohamed Sanu is not good. He hasn't been good in like three years. Maybe it's just because of the Falcons and the and the, the Patriots must believe that. Emmanuel Sanders is miles ahead of Mohamed Sanu. And Emmanuel Sanders got taken for a th- late third. Mohamed Sanu got taken for a second-round pick. That is just ridiculous to me. But anyways, his general sentiment was um, a legit number two wide receiver would have helped improve our third-down conversion rate, which actually has improved quite a bit. Here's the thing, though. Again, let's keep in mind who we've been playing. The Dallas Cowboys do not have a good secondary. The Philadelphia Eagles, who we lost to, have a terrible secondary. The Oakland Raiders have a bad secondary. The Lions do not have a good secondary. I'm not worried about our ability to, for example, convert on third down or move the ball down the field with ease against the Oakland Raiders. I am concerned about the Bears. I am concerned about the Vikings. I'm concerned about the 49ers. I'm concerned about Carolina. Right? These are the teams we're going to have to see again. I mean, if we end up getting into the playoffs, I'm concerned about the Saints. I'm concerned about the Patriots if we get to the Super Bowl. Th- this is what I'm concerned about. And this, this is kind of the point that everybody seems to be missing, including, and again, I'll omit the names, but we'll just call them the blue checkmark folks. We're not talking about Aaron Rodgers is so bad. Matt LaFleur is so bad. The Packers are struggling so much. Nobody is saying that. To put it in terms that Eric enunciated this back in October 11th, he says, Goody likely will burn a high pick round two or three next year on a high pedigree wide receiver, so if a dude becomes available as long as the price is reasonable, we should just pull the trigger now. And and to elaborate, if I may jump in here, that doesn't mean we don't get a wide receiver next year, but continuing on with what he says, he says the NFC is wide open, and if we can't afford to burn any and we can't afford to burn any more of Rogers trailing prime, just to wait for a bargain. Now, I don't want to just go out and get somebody. I, I hate that sentiment. It makes no sense. I want to get somebody that's actually good. I I don't even want Mohammed Sanu. For anything. For free, I don't want Mohammed Sanu. I mean, I guess I would take him for free, but you, you get what I'm saying. Because I don't legitimately believe that he's better, especially when you factor in the guys that we have that understand the scheme, have the rapport with Rodgers, all that stuff. We need somebody that is transcendent, which is why I like the Emmanuel Sanders and A.J. Green conversation, although we cannot afford to pay, uh, especially A.J. Green. Not that the money isn't necessarily there. The biggest problem is that Devontae's going to be looking for money. And as we saw already, when Devontae got paid, what did they do? They cut Jordy Nelson because they, as in, in the words of our... Uh, the president of the Packers, he said, we just can't afford to pay two wide receivers that much money. That was the reason we cut Jordy. It wasn't because he was old, necessarily. He said, once they paid Devontae, it was pretty much over. Because they're looking at the positional breakdown and saying, how much would we should we spend per position? The, you know, the, the accounting aspect of it and said, it's too much. So they're not going to pay a guy like A.J. Green. The only way in which they would do something like that is if they got a, a ridiculously good bargain, which they won't, and they just kept it as a one-year deal. Or maybe a two-year, and they just don't pay Devontae until after the two years, which is a dangerous position to be in. So, you know, the, the here's kind of where I'm at right now, especially now that Emmanuel Sanders is gone. I like the idea of it. 
I, I fully embrace the idea of it. A lot of people, again, are missing the point. We're not going all in because we're bad. We're going all in because we're good. Look at the teams that are going in right now. The Patriots aren't going out and getting people because they're bad or because Tom Brady is struggling. The 49ers are not going out and getting people because they're struggling. It's because they are undefe- these are the two undefeated teams. Now, the only two making big free agent moves. The other team that's rumored to want to go after somebody, especially A.J. Green right now, you know who it is? It's the Saints. It's only the best teams in football that are going after people, which is exactly what I told you when I said, if we beat the Oakland Raiders, then I think we're going in. As weird as that sounds. If we lose, then we don't go out and get anybody. Newsflash. I was right about that. Going in at this point in the year is an all-in move. Doing it when your team is struggling is dumb. Because it's a short-term solution. It's a short-term answer. It's, it's, I need a Super Bowl now because I think we can win it now. If you don't think you can win it now, you don't do it. And if you don't think you can win for, for you know, maybe a couple years, you start throwing people away. You start giving away Emmanuel Sanders. It's the reason people think A.J. Green should get dumped. It's the reason people are saying Julio Jones should get traded. Because, you know, what's the point? But again, the, the, the where I'm at right now is... I agree with the general sentiment of it because it's correct. I just don't know when you actually put names to it where we go. Again, A.J. Green is going to be cost prohibitive for the position. Outside of that, there just really aren't good football players available. You know, one of the things that a lot of people like on Twitter and whatnot want to say is, no, we need a linebacker. Well, you got to give me a name, dude. Now, maybe you just go out and find a struggling team and say, maybe we could just go out and get that guy. And maybe we can. But even that becomes complicated because Blake Martinez, as much as we might not like his play, he's the guy that's wearing the helmet with the microphone in it. He's the field general of the team. He's not coming off the field. So if we get a linebacker, he's going to be on the bench. So that's not going to happen. Maybe next year, going forward, whatever, and we could try to give it to Amos or something. It's not happening right now. If it does, I'd be shocked because even Blake said it took him like a whole year to get this scheme figured out. He was struggling. He didn't understand. He's not going anywhere. So what do we have left? Maybe a safety to compensate for Darnell Savage going out and to try to cut down on some of these big plays, but who? I made a list of guys. There's one safety on here from the Miami Dolphins, um, Rashad Jones. He's not bad. It's an option. But again, here's the issue when people say, oh, we don't need a wide receiver. The reason I'm banging the wide receiver drum so much, not only is because I think it pushes us over the edge so much, but I made a, a comprehensive list going over dozens of websites I found 12 names that are being discussed. Seven of the 12 are wide receivers. Emmanuel Sanders. Um, oh, wait, that's a tight end, so I guess six. Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green, Robbie Anderson, Antonio Callaway, Devontae Parker, Demarius Thomas. There are also three on this list that are defensive tackles, which I do think is probably the route that we would go if we went somewhere. We've seen Brian Gutekunst go out and get a lot of defensive tackles, even when we thought we didn't need it. We've seen Mike Pettin want to stack up defensive tackle talent, and if there's one area we're really struggling, it's up front. Kenny Clark has really been struggling. Nobody up front has been doing, at least not consistently. I don't know if Kenny Clark's had a single good game this year. Um, Dean Lowry's had one good game. Tyler Lancaster is pretty consistently good, with the exception of this past game, I think. Um, but he's he's strictly a run defender, and he's not, like, elite good. He's just, like, steady Eddie, pretty good, does his job, whatever. We're not good along the defensive line right now. But uh, you look at guys like Leonard Williams, Derek Wolf, and Solomon Thomas. I think Derek Wolf is kind of a—very similar to Tyler Lancaster, in that he's just kind of steady. 
He's not great. He's just steady. Solomon Thomas is that high upside guy that's done absolutely nothing. Um, I just don't think he offers anything from the 49ers. And then Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is one of the, my favorite guys that I ever watched. Uh, granted, it came at a time when I was just watching highlight reels, and I thought the guy was a freak, because he was in college. Go watch him. He was awesome. But um, he hasn't been all that great, especially the last couple years. But he comes from the Jets, so he's got kind of that Jetsy mentality. I'm sure there's still some carryover from what the Jets are doing, that AFC East mentality that Mike Pettin kind of helped to implement and run over there, that Rex Ryan-style defense. I know they got a whole new regime over there, but I'm just saying, there's there's that general AFC East attitude out there that I really like, and I'm glad that we have now in Green Bay. So I think if I had to go anywhere, it's probably Leonard Williams. But again, it's just it's a matter of who's available. I don't see any, although I had I did see corners. There were several corners. I just didn't put them on the list because what's the point? I've only saw one safety, a bunch of wide receivers, a handful of, of defensive tackles, uh, tight ends, Tyler Eifert and Vernon Davis. Tyler hasn't been good in, in, you know, three years, and he's been injured literally every year of his career, with the exception so far this year. I think he's been kind of injured, but he's still playing, and he's just not good. Vernon Davis is 48 years old. So the, the point is there's just not that many people out there. So unless they're going to make a really big splash move and get somebody that I just don't know is even on this list because they're not even being talked about, just, just picking on a team that's in full teardown mode, I, I just I kind of am to the point where I'm like, well, I guess we just work with what we got. Again, maybe Leonard Williams or something, but I, I don't know. Because they're just, nobody on this list is, is really a, I don't know, a, a worth it player to go get. But we'll see what happens. Continuing on with the Eric from Toledo show. Um, I had mentioned how NFL Big Board, I think I mentioned it, it got moved over to Patreon. So if you are an NFL draft fan, I used to have a website called NFLBigBoard.com. I took it down because I have too much stuff to manage and it just costs money and doesn't make any. However, I am keeping the, the back end of it, which essentially is just a, an Excel spreadsheet. And what I do is I aggregate big boards from across the, the internet to get sort of a consensus big board. And then I throw it together and I decided since I don't have a website, I'll just throw it for my patrons because I'm looking for ways to give back to them. So that'll be a good way to do it. So if you're interested in that, patreon.com forward slash pack Link is in the description. Question is, how is Joe Burrow not top 10? Very simple answer, big boards lag. The newer, more updated boards, for the most part, have him in and around top 10. I know this isn't Packers talk, but, you know, as we get closer to the draft, you got to get used to it. I'm going to be talking a little bit of it. But some of these boards, you know, because my, my general standard is 30 days. So some of these boards are a little bit older before the Joe Burrow hype. So it's there's a little bit of lag involved. That's the best answer I can give. Although I still don't know he would be top 10, but he would be close closer than he is um he continues on with a lot of this talk because you know this is this is from tuesday now so obviously this is the biggest thing kind of just elaborated on whatever i already said saying we need to stay open to bargains on the market but then he comes in with you said it yourself yesterday most picks are bad so don't overvalue picks over real players value picks properly which includes some understanding of your own bust percentage um i I think that's very true um the, the the only reason that I still, and, and pretty much every team, still stands by being sort of anti-free agent and pro-draft and are so hesitant to give up draft picks is because of the salary cap. The draft is is salary cap management. I mean, just look at the salary cap. Look at the average price of the contracts for starting players at each position and just do the math on, you know, the, the 50-ish players. I think 51 or whatever count against the cap. I don't know point is it doesn't add up you have to have rookies and the the bigger problem is 
um, you have to have rookies that are performing well because you can only afford to pay big money to a handful of your highest performers. So where do the rest of the good performers come from? You can't have, um, if you had all veterans, you would pretty much have, what, five really good veterans and a bunch of garbage veterans? You're probably not going to win with that. So the point is you got to have a lot of production from guys that are on rookie contracts, and you have to have a steady flow and, and, and turnover to your team to make sure that if you want to maximize the amount of talent you have on your team, you need to be hitting in the draft. And consistently, because if you're hitting in the draft and then these guys come up for contracts, this is essentially what happened to the Packers. Those guys start coming up for contracts. You pay to keep your guys. In order to do that, you have to get rid of the, the older guys that are good. So and essentially what you have now is a new crop of good veterans with a new need and, and sort of a, a void at talented rookies. And if you stop drafting well, suddenly that void isn't getting filled with good rookies, it's getting filled with bad rookies, and all you have left are your high-priced veterans. And then you got guys like Nick Perry who don't pan out, and suddenly you're looking at it and saying, who are the good players? There just aren't very many. So that's why the draft is super important, and being good at drafting is super important to a team's success. If it wasn't for a salary cap and if you had just unlimited funds, free agency would be all that matters. I mean, you would just go out and buy everybody, and you'd be giving away picks like it's nothing. I mean, you still want some youth because some of these guys are going to be gone, but you'd be much less interested in being so crazy protective. And I, and I think that's the big disconnect because that's generally what most fans see is why would you ever give up a you know give up a guaranteed player for a pick that you don't know what's going to happen. The logic of that doesn't make sense. And and again, you have to understand it from the context of age and cost, and in the broader context of the salary cap which prohibits you from having too many veterans that cost a certain amount of money. Again, just just go th- just do this experiment. Maybe I'll do it for you if you don't want to, but look at the average cost of, you know, let's say a, a veteran in each position, and then go look at the salary cap and break it down based on a percentage and see what that cost comes. There's going to be a discrepancy. In other words, what you can afford compared to what the going rate is, what you can afford is always going to be lower. And so what you do is you overpay at every single one of the, you know, Aaron Rodgers is overpaid for the, the quarterbacks, what you can afford at quarterback. Devontae is about to be overpaid at, you know, everybody that, that's coming up for contract is going to be getting overpaid. So you have to compensate because there's a cap. When you go over in one category, you got to go under in the other. It's like basic algebra, right? Whatever you do to the other side, you got to do whatever. So we got to take from somewhere else. Well, now if you have a smaller budget at another position, how are you going to get quality players there? It's through the draft. That makes sense? Good. His final comment, Patriots acquire wide receiver Sanu from the Falcons. The rich get richer. The hoodie don't mess around. And he says, follow their script. I agree. And again, I don't agree that we just need to go out. In other words, if if we don't do something at this point, I'm not even mad because we didn't make a move yet. And I don't know that there's very many moves to make. That's another thing that I think a lot of fans do is they just want them to do something. Don't do that. Don't get caught up in that. You need to have an actual solution that you want them to do. And you need to have a plan about how you want them to do it. And then if the Packers don't do it, you can get upset about it. And again, I'm looking at at all the options and the price and all that stuff factored in. I'm to the point right now where I kind of don't care if we don't do anything. I would like to because I want to go quote-unquote all in, but I don't see any real specific scenarios that make a lot of sense. And I kind of think what what might be best for the Packers is to preserve our draft capital because we really need it because we're going to need to to address some issues and I want to address it long term 
wide receiver. I think defensive tackle has become a need, maybe. Um, but in the meantime, I just want guys to get better. I want Kenny Clark to, you know, get better and earn. I mean, what do we do right now? This is a contract year. I, I was all excited about giving him a ton of money. We're obviously going to pay him, but pay him what? He's not playing well. Again, he has not had one good game this year. I don't know what's going on, but this is weird, and I don't know what to do about this. But, you know, again, the best option at this point might just be guys just need to step up and play better. Um, I want to do one more question before we take a break because that took kind of a long time. Um, this is the uh, it's a voicemail, and it comes from Andy. And he, he brought this up, and I know I mentioned it at one point as a reason why the Packers don't really need a number two. In other words, I was thinking we did, and then I thought about it, and I thought we didn't, and I kind of forgot about it. So I, I want to address it again now that Andy has sort of reminded me of it. Here's the basic premise. Look at the teams that are out there. How many of them actually have a duo? In other words, when we talk about how we really need to have somebody other than just Devontae, look at the teams that, first of all, don't even have Devontae, and then the teams that actually have a duo. And, and just, in other words, survey the landscape and see how necessary is it to actually have two really good wide receivers. And I think it's a fair question. Um, the The biggest thing that I'm seeing, and it, I, I guess I'm torn because I, I kind of, the, the premise is true, right? Look at the Texans and the success that they have. They have one really good wide receiver and nobody else. Um, you know, you, you even look at teams like the Bears last year when they made a run. They had really not very, I mean, Allen Robinson and nobody else, and even Allen Robinson is nowhere near Devontae's level. You look at the Chiefs, they have Tyreek Hill and kind of nobody else. You look at the Cowboys, they have Amari Cooper and nobody else. You look at the Colts and the success that they've had in the past, they had T.Y. and nobody else. You look at the Patriots, I mean, I guess they have Edelman and nobody else. I don't even know if Edelman is all that great. He just gets schemed open all the time. I mean, the Saints at, or excuse me, the the Seahawks at best have had, at, at times, one good wide receiver. I don't know if they even have one right now. The Saints have Michael Thomas and nobody else. The Eagles have like a handful of pretty mediocre wide receivers and are doing very, very well. The 49ers, until getting Emmanuel Sanders, um, this entire year have had zero wide receivers. The Falcons, unless you consider Calvin Ridley a decent enough wide receiver, have Julio Jones and nobody else. As far as duos go, it's really kind of just the Vikings. And it's working for them, and it's cool, but it's certainly not necessary. In fact, again, some teams are successful without that. The, the biggest problem that I have, though, and, the, and the, it's a problem, but it's kind of a question of is it a problem anymore and, and whatever. It, it's, it's the fact that teams have found ways to shut down the Packers simply by taking away Devontae, whereas other teams seemingly don't have that same problem. So then the, the, the follow-up question to that is, now that Devontae's gone and LaFleur and Rodgers have kind of hit this stride where they're scheming guys open, and, and as several people have pointed out, guys are open all day, every day. Now, you know, continuing on with that now, is that because of the bad secondaries? Is it possible that maybe if we were going up against, say, the Bears or whoever, that we would have lost because we don't have Devontae? Still a lot of questions. But I think it's at least fair to say that the Packers need to be able to win with just Devontae. Because it's not an excuse to say, well, we just have one wide receiver. So does everybody. In fact, there's a lot of teams that don't even have one wide receiver. Look at the Chargers. How many receivers do they have? They have one. I mean, the Rams have a duo, and it works for them. Texans have one. Titans have one. Jaguars have zero. Panthers have zero. Cardinals have one. Bears have one. Bengals have one. The Bills have zero. The Broncos had one and lost them. The Browns have two, and they can't do anything with it. The Buccaneers have one, maybe two. 
Chiefs have one, Colts have one, Cowboys have one, Dolphins have zero, Giants have zero, Jets have zero, Lions have one. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about true number one wide receivers. Patriots, I'm going to say they have zero. The Raiders have zero. The Ravens have zero. The Redskins have, well, now they have one probably with the rookie. Saints have one. Seahawks have zero. Steelers have one with Juju. Uh, Vikings have two. The Falcons have one. 49ers now, I believe, have one. The Eagles have zero. So really, I, I think it's it's the Rams and the Vikings. And, and the Rams are debatable at this point. Their, their wide receivers aren't as good as they were. So again, I think it's fair to look at the situation and say, you know what? Hogwash. Garbage. Rubbish. Poly poppin'. What is that phrase? I was going to say something, but I feel like I don't want to say that because that sounds not good. Molly something. I think it's fair to say the Packers need to be able to just scheme the guys open that they have, and I also think it's fair to say they have been. And as much as a number two wide receiver would help to put the Packers over the edge, if Matt LaFleur is getting into a rhythm in which he's able to scheme guys open throughout an entire game, and Aaron Rodgers is getting into a rhythm like we haven't seen since, like, uh, I don't know, 2014, maybe we should back off the idea of giving up draft capital and um, extra resources for a wide receiver. I'm still good drafting one. I'm still good on that. But I think that is kind of a fair overall assessment. Um, And I think it's also a situation where myself, as well as other Packer fans, are looking at sort of this woe is me standpoint without actually looking at the general context. The same thing with, oh, we're always injured all the time, not realizing we are literally one of the least injured teams ever. Like over the last, I don't know, I forgot what I I looked into it because I got so tired of Packer fans crying about it. Over the last five or ten years, I think we are like the third least injured team in all of football. But we don't see that. We're, we're in our own little bubble. Like, oh, we always hurt. Same with wide receiver. Like, oh, we only got one. Like, everybody only has one if they're lucky enough to have one. Anyways, we'll take our second break, and uh, I don't even know if we're going to get to Facebook at this pace. Today's episode of the Packernet Podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand-new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right. It's sports coverage. That's always on and always free. Always. Again, I've mentioned this. I don't know why you wouldn't have downloaded it by now. I'm guessing most of you have, but literally, unless you're like my wife and refuse to delete photos and videos on your phone so that you just don't have enough room to download this, even though we have a Google phone so that they're all backed up completely free, which is why we bought these phones. But whatever, we're not talking about that. Unless you're in that situation, you should probably just go right now and download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. They got new videos up there every 10, 15 minutes or whatever. An hour ago, there was a video with Mohamed Sanu Emmanuel Sanders traded on Tuesday. In other words, talking about the trades. And again, the best part about it is that it's entirely free. So there's, there's not even a decision to be made here. There's no fake debates, just real sports for real sports fans at the great price of completely free. You don't have to log in. You don't have to sign up. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. However, if you'd rather not watch sports stuff on your phone and want to, I don't know, go to a stadium and watch it, then just pull up that Vivid Seats app that I've been telling you to download. You know, the app that automatically enrolled you in the Vivid Seats reward program, which is their loyalty program that allows you to earn credit back when you buy tickets. Go search for the game or event of your choice. Use their very convenient sorting features to find the exact seats that you want for the exact price that you want and go ahead and pull the trigger and you can do it worry-free because every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee 
From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. So make sure you go and download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Whenever you're ready to buy the tickets, make sure you remember to enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Uh, Andy had another question. This was after the Lions game. Um, I want to kind of elaborate a little bit, and I don't know if this is exactly what you're saying, but um, what Andy had mentioned was something about the defensive pass interference maybe getting somewhat out of control. Um, And it sounded like what you were saying is, the referees aren't calling it, and they know that nobody's really going to challenge it because even though there's the new rule, coaches realize that it's not going to get overturned, so what's the point? I would kind of elaborate a little bit, and again, maybe this is what you were saying, but I something I was wondering about, just to add on to that, is you know with, with things like touchdowns, they call it a touchdown because it can be reviewed. And I think if you look at, for example, that Lions game, there was a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown because essentially the rule is, or the general philosophy is, if it's even close, let's just call it a touchdown because then it gets reviewed, and if it's not, we can overturn it. Same with interceptions and all these other things. Just leave it alone, let it play out, and we can always review it and, and set it right at that point. The problem I'm wondering about is maybe the question is we let it lie, and if there's a problem, coaches can overturn it or challenge it, and then we can correct it at that point. Now, I guess technically that could go either way. We could throw the flag and it can get challenged, or we can not throw the flag and it can get challenged. But the bottom line is, if they're leaning one way or another, and then the coaches aren't challenging it, you could see a situation where the the actual the, the problem sort of <laughs> exacerbates. As much as it's supposed to help with this, you could see a situation where they're looking at it going, eh, I'm not going to throw the flag. They can challenge that if they want to. I'm just going to let it play out. And then coaches aren't challenging it. So you're actually seeing more defensive pass interference calls or, or non-calls that are actually bad non-calls because of the new rule that is supposed to help with pass interference calls. As weird as that is, and you could say the same for offensive pass interference as well. And again, I don't know that that's happening, but it is something I'm wondering about where maybe they're just leaving it. In other words, refs are leaving it in the hands of review. And unlike these other areas where that kind of makes sense, they're not. it's not being challenged. So unless we throw this up to booth review... But I mean, that would essentially be every single pass play has to be reviewed up in the booth. And that's just going to be a nightmare as well. So again, every time we add rules, it makes things worse. This is just the way it goes. This is, and again, I've, I've mentioned this before, this isn't just football. This is everything in life. At some point, we have to recognize that everything isn't going to be perfect. And we have to leave it alone. Every time we see a problem and decide we're going to legislate a, a fix, it gets worse. And I would challenge you to find one situation where I'm lying. In just about every situation when there's a problem and we try to create this, not that there can't be solutions, but usually it's a, a, a smaller, more local solution. The more broad we, broadly we try to make some kind of general rule that applies to everything and everyone, because we think this is going to fix things, it just, it, it always make, has the opposite effect and makes it actually worse. And it's, football is no different. But we can't stop. And we keep, this is, and this is the thing, fans keep complaining, we're the problem. We're the ones kicking and screaming and crying saying, I demand this get fixed. And the NFL says, okay, I got a solution. And then it makes it worse. And we go, oh, you bunch of dummies, you just made it worse. Until we as fans recognize that things are going to be imperfect and just say, that stinks, but that's life. Life isn't fair sometimes. And I'm, I, I'm talking to myself a little bit here too, because when the Packers get a bad call, I'm going to flip some tables. But it is what it is. And to be honest, I think the Packers have been hurt more by rule changes than anything else. Those terrible calls on Clay Matthews came as a result of rule changes. we got to protect the quarterback, putting your weight on... And 
And the call to the rule change came because of the pass. Talk about a perfect example. Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone. I don't know if this is a direct result of the rule change, but it's it's an area in which Packer fans flipped out. The league looked at it and said part of the problem is he put his whole weight on them, so they change a rule saying don't put your weight on people, and we literally lost games as a result of a rule that got changed, very likely in, in large part because of Aaron Rodgers getting hurt and Packer fans wanting there to be some kind of a rule change. Stop it. Uh, Jim from Florida also sent in a uh, question, comment. Wanted to hear my thoughts on Lazard. I kind of already talked about that. This is, again, this is kind of backlog. This is back from October 15th, so I'll leave that one alone. However, he did bring up the point talking about three guys that we lost, Randall Cobb, Daniels, and Clay. You may notice Clay Matthews is out. Daniels hasn't been playing. Randall Cobb has been injured. Now, it's hard to say that that was definitively the reason we got rid of him. However, regardless, there's nobody right now that should be looking at this saying, man, we shouldn't have got rid of that guy. All three of these guys either have been injured, are injured, or are just basically done. I think Clay's done for the year. Could be wrong, but, you know, broken jaw, it's pretty severe. So good observation from Jim on that one. Um, we're getting kind of down to it here. i got to hurry up. But let me jump on the Facebook group real quickly. Nico threw up a um, thing on his app showing that it is 96 degrees in Escondido, Southern California. Makes me somewhat unhappy. Not that I want to deal with 96, but man, I am really... Dr- I'm, it, get, it gets worse every year, my, my ability to even handle cold. Like when I was younger, in high school, I remember walking to school in jeans and a t-shirt with snow coming up almost to my knees because people don't shovel apparently sometimes. And just because I want to, you know... I mean, you know, young guy, teenager, bunch of testosterone, you got to prove everybody, like, I'm the man, right, because I don't wear coats. Now it, like, drops to 30, and I'm like, I, I, where, where's my third coat? I need my third coat. Like, I just don't want to feel air. Like, just cover my whole body. I, I could not care any less what anybody thinks about me. It's like, I just, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. I just, I don't like it. I like fall. I like a little bit of chill, but when they get that sudden temperature drop, and it's like, oh, not acclimated to this yet. It's just, I, I don't know. I hate winter so much. I try to get all jacked up because November's kind of cool. You know, Thanksgiving, I got my birthday, my daughter's birthday, anniversary, pretty good month. December, you got some more birthdays, you got Christmas. You can get a little bit jacked up about some stuff. But man, after New Year's, it is just, just death. Got to find something to get excited about because there is just nothing. Not football related, but I just saw that and it was like, man, I want to feel a hot sun so bad right now. And I can tell you right now, if this ever, ever becomes a full-time job, I am taking this show on the road starting around, oh, I don't know, now. I'm just fleeing cold air. So, question from Lauren says, Ryan, after all of the blue check marks and all the TV personas, uh, my question to you is, now that Aaron seems to be finally getting, excuse me, finally gelling with LaFleur, do you, can you see this coach-quarterback pairing extend Aaron Rodgers' career into his mid-40s like Brady? In my mind, looking at what's in front of us right now at face value, all number 12 has to do when he walks onto the field on Sunday is to take what is given to him and trust the game plan. If he can slice and dice the D up, he will. If the offense does not fire on all cylinders, he knows the defense can, could carry the team. If the run game is there, he can hand the ball off 16 times and Dinkin' Duncan third. So, yes, I, I think ultimately it's up to Aaron Rodgers and what he wants to do with his life. Um, he's a super big competitor. I know he and Tom Brady get along really well. I know he really respects Tom Brady. I, I tend to think, you know, it, it's kind of twofold. On one hand, you look at it and say he's kind of accomplished a lot. Um, I know he wants more championships. 
The question is maybe, you know, if he wins another one, does he just hang it up and say that's good enough? If he wins two, does he hang it up and say that's good enough? Um, you know, if, if he doesn't win any, does he feel the need to continue to come back? There's also the money factor. On one hand, you look at it and say, I mean, he doesn't need anything else, right? The, the, the desire for him and Danica to just disappear off into the sunset. He seems like kind of a reclusive guy. He's kind of quiet, keeps to himself. What? There's a lot of personality stuff, but ultimately it comes down to what does he want? Because I generally agree with the sentiment that assuming that this can continue and Matt LaFleur again, because defenses and offenses continually adapt through time, Matt LaFleur has to stay at the forefront of that. But assuming that everything continues the way that it is, I don't see any reason why this can and should be any different. What we need, what what the Patriots have that the Packers would need in order for this to happen is a good GM, which we have, and the Patriots have a good coach, which the Patriots have and the Packers have, and the ability to, as you laid out, um, allow Aaron Rodgers to settle into a role of being an elite game manager. And that I don't mean that to sound offensive. It's, it's the fact that he's overqualified for his job and that we don't need him to pull off heroics and we don't need him to scramble and we don't need all these things. We need him... We need to protect him, keep him in a clean pocket, give him very clean open reads, make him a master in this scheme so that he knows where the open guys are. Because remember, that's all new also. Part of what makes Tom Brady so good is the fact that there's always a guy open and he knows exactly who it is, where he is, when he's coming open. I think the Packers are still kind of working out those bugs a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I don't see any reason if if Aaron Rodgers decides I'm going to keep doing this, I want to have as much success as possible. I mean, really, if you think about it, you know... Tom Brady did win several Super Bowls kind of early, but three of his last Super Bowls came, I think, at the age of starting at age 38. You know, Tom Brady is 42 right now. Aaron Rodgers is 35. We're talking about seven years. So we go back to what, 2012? So since 2012, what has Tom Brady done? Well, I think it's three Super Bowls, right? 2014, 2017, 2019. He's got two Super Bowl MVPs. He's got one NFL MVP. He's got who knows how many Pro Bowls? Probably seven. He's got one first-team All-Pro. He's got one second-team All-Pro. Um, 2017, he was a passing yards leader. 2015, passing touchdowns leader. So, I mean, he, he's got a, a, a really great resume beyond age 35. And again, we're talking three Super Bowls since then. So, yeah, I, I, I don't really see... You know, it, it it really just depends on Aaron Rodgers. And really, if you look at Aaron Rodgers and how seriously he takes things like diet, he, he's kind of, it's, it, it feels to me as though he wants to follow in Tom Brady's footsteps. He's starting to look at things like diet and take those things very seriously because he understands how difficult it is to maximize your body so that you can be healthy well into your career. And, and you look at Tom Brady, as much as you want to mock him for his ridiculous diet and everything, and granted, when you have as much money as he does, I'm sure he's got tons of great, doctors and some good pills and what whatever else that are able to keep him going but I mean he's he's literally faster now than he was when he came into the NFL as crazy as that is now granted that has a lot lot to do with the fact that Tom Brady was just really slow when he came into the NFL and some training can kind of boost that up I think Aaron Rodgers is probably never going to get to that point but really just staying healthy and 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 um taking care of his body as best as he can, making good decisions, trying not to take sacks, and, and keeping that in mind. I don't see any reason why he can't continue to play into his 40s and, and get himself another contract. And, you know, I think the Packers, as long as he can continue to play like he's playing, I think the Packers would be happy to, to give him some more, you know, another contract. But either way, that's kind of a long ways off. But, yeah, I, I think the, the groundwork is kind of being laid for that. You see Aaron Rodgers 
you know, emulating Tom Brady, you see Aaron Rodgers want to focus more on on winning and legacy, right? He's got the contract, he's got the money, all that stuff's done. What he wants now is wins, he wants championships. The question really just comes down to how content is he going to be and when the time comes, because maybe he has a goal now of playing into his 40s, and then when the time comes, he's like, you know what, I got a lot of money, my body hurts, I'm done. So we, we got a lot of time to figure it out, but again, I, I think it's it certainly could be an option for him. Um, I'm going to leave it at that because i got to get going. One one final thing I wanted to bring up, the jersey giveaway. The jersey was claimed, so that is a officially a done deal. We're moving on. We've got two jerseys left to give away. The next drawing will be at 500, so get over on Instagram. Make sure you're following me. Um, share it around because the sooner we get to 500, the sooner we can do another drawing for a jersey. After that, we will be doing 700, so we've got two more to give away, and I'll, I'll probably keep this going. I'll come up with some other stuff to uh, to give away. It'll be fun. I've recently decided I don't want to do eBay anymore, so maybe I'll just give away some of this higher-priced stuff that I just really don't care about anymore. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.